Hey everybody, I'm Dan from Portland, Oregon. I'm Kate from Minneapolis. I'm Zach from Madison, Wisconsin. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and please click on Donate. I'm Jesse Thorne, live on tape from my house in Los Angeles. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program, Aziz Ansari, is a stand-up comedian and actor. You might have seen him or heard him talk about here on The Sound of Young America on the MTV series Human Giant. Uh, he's now featured on NBC's Parks and Recreation. He was recently in the film Funny People. Uh, and he's got a brand new stand-up comedy special. It's called Aziz Ansari, Intimate Moments for a Sensual Evening. Uh, it premieres Sunday, January 17th on Comedy Central. Let's hear a moment from it. How many of you guys clap if you still haven't seen The Dark Knight yet? If you still haven't seen The Dark Knight, clap. What the fuck is wrong with you people? That movie's incredible! My favorite review of that movie is from my little cousin, Harris. That's 14 years old and lives in Georgia. And I love Harris because he has really odd choices in entertainment. Like, his favorite TV shows are hour-long dramas on USA and TNT. Like, you know I see billboards for shows like Burn Notice. You're like, who the heck watches Burn Notice? Harris watches Burn Notice. He loves it. Harris told me his senior quote's gonna be, TNT knows drama. You call up Harris, you things like, hey, Harris, what's going on? I'm pissed off, man. My dad just erased all my shows from the DVR. Guess I won't find out what happened on Las Vegas this week. Who DVRs Las Vegas? Josh Dumal doesn't DVR Las Vegas. And you don't get that joke because Josh Dumal's a star of Las Vegas and nobody watches Las Vegas. So I asked Harris, I'm like, hey, Harris, you like The Dark Knight? Yeah. Is it better than Burn Notice? Yeah. Is it better than Las Vegas? Yeah. Is it better than eating at Cinnabon? No. And I knew that would get him because he's a little chubby guy and he loves shoving Cinnabons into his little chubby face. <laughs> And I love that about him. I love that he's chubby. Because there's not a lot of chubby little Indian kids. Most of them are small and skinny like me. But every now and then you see a chubby one. And it's awesome. It's kind of like seeing a shooting star. Only it's fat, brown, and on the ground. Aziz, welcome to The Sound of Young America. It's great to have you. Thank you very much for having me back. Um, Aziz, you grew up in the... uh... Carolinas. And um, I, I feel like a, a, a late motif on the sound of Young America lately has been uh, people m- moving to New York City, moving to the big city to go to school. Um, when you graduated from high school, why did you choose to go to NYU? What did you want out of that? I definitely wanted to move to a big city after growing up in South Carolina. So um, that's one of the main reasons I did it. And then uh, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, so uh, I was going to major in business because I thought that would leave a lot of options open. So New York University has a good business school, so that was pretty much the major thought process about it. And so, yeah, I I, um, I, I had a buddy who uh, majored in business in college, and um, I he he's not the like most driven focus he's at columbia law school now so he's not really sweating it in the driven and focused but he's not the kind of guy you think of and he's he would tell me sometimes about his buddies shortly after he graduated from college he'd be like oh yeah my one my one friend tom he's making one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year at goldman sachs 
Yeah. And that was a world that completely didn't make any sense to me at all. And it doesn't strike me as the kind of world that you would feel at home in. No, not at all. Like, before I went to NYU, I, I didn't even really know what Goldman Sachs was. Like, <laughs> you know, I wasn't aware of that whole finance culture and, like, you know, trying to become an investment banker and all that stuff. I was totally unaware of that world. So when I got there and saw all these kids that were, like, really into that stuff, I was like, oh, boy. And and I almost transferred to Tish, and I almost transferred to Galton. And really, it came down to the laziness of uh, putting together a portfolio and the transfer <laughs> forms. I was like, oh, I'll just... I'll just stick it through here, and, uh, you know, I was doing stand-up, and it got to a certain point where I was like, well, if I keep up with stand-up, I think I'll be able to uh, do some sort of career that I, I enjoy in comedy, hopefully. Were there moments in uh, early on in your career uh, where you felt like you'd achieved significant goals? Like, what were the stepping stones that made you feel like, oh, this is real? Um... You know, even, like, little things, like, when I was starting out, like, I got past the comic strip. Uh, this is a comedy club in the Upper East Side, and uh, there was this guy, uh, Lucian, who's he's passed away now, but um, he was kind of the gatekeeper, and, you know, he passed, you know, Chris Rock and uh, Seinfeld, everybody went through him. And um, say, say what you mean when you say passed. Passed means, like, you do a set, like a seven-minute set, and then Lucian would say, all right, you can work at the club and then you could call in availabilities to get booked. And up until then, I was getting spots from, you know, whether it be open mics or new talent nights or passing out flyers, which is the worst, you know, passing out flyers for a few hours and time. Like, I don't, I think back, I'm like, man, how did I bear through that? Like, Friday nights, standing out in Times Square for three hours, passing out flyers to do, like, ten minutes of time in, in front of, like, How, a crowded audience. What's the system? This is a very New York-specific thing, the, you the get flyering. A, you, get a, you, you would get, like, a, a, a stack of tickets, and there'd be different colors. And then you just stand out there, and you're like, stand-up comedy, you know, comedians from Conan O'Brien, uh, David Letterman show, whatever. And then tourists would be like, oh. Oh, what did you, do you have tickets to the David Letterman show? No, no, no. There's a comedian that's been on it. He'll be performing. Um, who else would be? Uh, other really good comedians. And then they grab the tickets and then they go there and then they see the guy that pass out the tickets performing. They're like, Oh, wait a second, what's what's <laughs> going on? And if like if I had blue tickets, anytime someone came in with like a blue ticket, they give you a little bit of money. I mean, oh, it was the worst. I hate passing out flyers. So once I got past the comic strip, I was like, I'm never gonna pass out flyers again. You know? And uh when we first started doing the crash test shows at U C B that was really fun. Like to do be doing a, like a Monday night eleven o'clock show at U C B and having it sell out all the time was really cool. Like I remember that was really fun and I was really excited whenever we got, like, really, you know, when, like, someone like Patton or someone came into town and would do the show, like, that was really cool for me, and then, yeah, I mean, that stuff, actually, I remember more than, like, you know, some of the things that have happened recently, like, you know, that that's all been kind of a whirlwind, but, like, I definitely remember all those things, because that was, like, you know, it just seemed bigger at the time. That regular show, uh, Crash Test, that you were doing at the Upright Citizens for Gay Theater in New York was... Uh, sort of led in a funny way into your uh, MTV series, Human Giant. Yeah, because uh, the first one we did, I hosted with Rob, and then the second one I did... Rob host, Hubel Rob also. Rob Hubel, yes. Show. And we did Shutterbugs. We did that bit. That was a, the first thing we ever like wrote together. He came back, and we were like meeting at a coffee shop trying to figure out bits to do, and um, <laughs> he went to go to the bathroom, and we were in Starbucks, and he didn't want to use a Starbucks bathroom, and he lived pretty close, so he went to his house... 
to use the bathroom and he came back and uh, I was sitting there waiting for like 10 minutes like man this guy's just like go over his place taking a dump like I didn't know him that well you know and uh you know I and and I remember I emailed him and I was like really nervous I was like man is he gonna think like I'm some ding dong like is he gonna want to do this show with me like I was like hey man like I'm we've doing all, this thing we've if all you want to concern that someone cool is gonna think we're a ding dong yeah it's like he's gonna think I'm some loser like I haven't been doing stuff that long to ask him to do it and he was like yeah I'm totally down you know and um and then, so anyway, he went to the to his house to take a dump, and he came back with uh, he came back with these kids' headshots. He was like, "I have these laying around. I've used these for some bits in the past. If you want to do something with this, maybe we could do that." And then we just started riffing on it, and right away we were like, we had the Shredderbugs bit, and it's on the Human Giant DVD. It was the first time we ever performed together, and a lot of those same jokes are in, in the film version of Shutterbugs. It's pretty crazy. Let's hear a little bit of uh, Shutterbugs. This is from the Human Giant television series. Um, and it features uh, Aziz and Rob as children's talent agents who um, may not have exactly the right tone. Look, this is an awkward conversation for us. It's been two years since you've been with us, and you haven't booked for us. We're the top talent agency in New York. Of course. We're able to open doors for our clients. Now, if you don't have the talent to walk through those doors, why do we even have a relationship? I think what Bill is saying is that if it was going to happen for you, it would have happened by now. Look, this is a little bit harsh, but frankly, at this point in your career, I think it's safe to say you're a has-been. You're old news. Your relationship with Shutterbugs is over. Look, if there's anything you want to say to us, now is the time to say it. Can I have some ice cream? Look, you know what? I don't even want to hear it. Just get the hell out of our office. Just get out, please. Get out. That was Shutterbugs from The Human Giant. My guest, Aziz Ansari, was featured on that MTV sketch comedy series along with uh, Paul Shear and Rob Hubel. Um, so you created this sketch for this live stage show, and then you filmed a video version of it with uh, Jason Woliner, who uh, later became a member of Human yeah, Giant. Yeah, he was the <clears throat> director of the show, and uh, yeah, that was like really the first thing I ever really acted in, and, and it ended up on TV, crazily enough. One of the things that I find very charming about your comedy, both your acting and, and uh, your sketch work and your stand-up comedy, is this kind of verve that you bring to the stage. And I think uh, a lot of people who are, who are your fans find it, uh, find your, just your, your approach very charming and, and fun. Um, and, and I wonder if the kind of irreverent uh, fun as he's on sorry, that's on stage is something that you have to kind of get yourself in the mindset to be something that comes from being on stage or something that you feel like is just you every day. Um, I guess that's kind of who I am in a way, you know, I get passionate about things like silly things like food or whatever, like, you know, in the special, like if I'm talking about like, you know, um, buying sheets or whatever and getting like soft sheets, like I am like weirdly into that. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like when I get in my bed, I'm like, man, these sheets are pretty soft, pretty sweet. They like, I get into that. I think about things like that. Like, okay, well, sheets are something I'm going to use for you know, a minimum of, you know, five hours a night, that's a, that's a lot of time. I got to make sure these are awesome sheets. Like, you know, I, the things I talk about in my stand-up are usually things I'm very enthusiastic about, and, and, and it's not like a put-on. Like, I really am enthusiastic about that stuff, you know, and that's why, you know, I have that energy when I talk about it, I guess. And, you know, the acting stuff, you know, I try to 
you know, think about what my characters are into or whatever and, and play to that in a way. I was getting some sheets down at Bed Bath & Beyond. Man, they got so many sheets. <laughs> now, all I know about sheets is the higher the threat count, the better the sheet, right? This lady's like, right, yeah. I got 700 back in my house. It's like sleeping in lotion. So I'm looking around trying to find some nice sheets. I see this brand called Hotel Luxury Linens, 600 thread count. And it sounds fancy too, right? You got a girl back at your place. She's like, oh my God. Did we just teleport to a five-star hotel? Nah, baby, these are just Hotel Luxury Linens. By the way, the technology for teleportation doesn't exist yet. You must be kind of stupid. So I grab the sheets and I get them home and I'm psyched to put them on my bed, right? And I feel them, and they feel a little rough to the touch. I get a little suspicious. I do a little Googling. I find an investigative report in Southern Living Magazine where they investigated thread count claims, an issue that I definitely needed delving into. And they had a little chart. They said, brand, advertised thread count, actual thread count. So it's like, brand, Wamsuda, advertised 500, actual 497. Brand, soft sheets, advertised 600, actual 600. Brand, hotel luxury linens, advertised 600, actual 296. Are you shitting me, man? Almost slept on that shit. 296 is sandpaper as far as I'm concerned. If that was a drug deal, I would have shot hotel luxury linens in the face. Where is my thread? You didn't think I was going to count that shit, motherfucker? That's Aziz Ansari from his new comedy special, Intimate Moments for a Sensual Evening. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. Let's hear another clip from this special in which Aziz is performing as his character, Randy. Randy is a sort of absurdly over-the-top stand-up comedian, complete with crazy dances, a light show, and a DJ. What's up? My name is Randy with eight A's. If y'all are ready to laugh your dicks off, let me hear you say yeah. I said, if y'all are ready to laugh your dicks off, let me hear you say yeah. yeah. All right, then it's Randy time. Let's do this shit. First joke. <laughs> oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. What's up, Randy? It's time for another one of Randy's crazy fuck stories, aka a fuck tale. <laughs> if y'all want to hear a fuck tale, let me go fuck tales. Oh, ooh, ooh. Since you asked so nicely, I'll tell you one. I was hooking up with this girl recently in a fucking hot tub. And we're sitting there doing our thing, and it's going great. And eventually she's like, Randy, 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 will you go down on me? And I was like, yes, I can definitely do that. But here's the thing, y'all. We're in a hot tub. So I had to do that shit underwater. <laughs> You mentioned that you and uh, Jason Walliner from the, from the Human Giant created a, a two part internet pseudo documentary about um, three a, about part. this character. Three part, excuse yeah. me, a documentary about this character um, that was sort of a complement to the film. Funny yeah. people, an expansion of the idea of this character. 
And um, one of the scenes that I enjoyed the most is um, uh, is Randy in showing the camera around his apartment, and it sort of um, it reminded me a lot of uh, the documentary comedian about Jerry Seinfeld and this. Totally, yeah, we watched that um, while we were writing that um, the uh, the thing with the folders. There was a comedian in that documentary named Orny Adams who was kind of the foil to Jerry Seinfeld. You know, Seinfeld is this guy, very still very humble despite all this success, et cetera. And Orny was this, you know, younger guy coming up and just had had these weird quirks. Like um, he had all his jokes put in folders and like organized by different categories. Like I don't know anyone that does that. <laughs> like a, a, he's a very passionate and systemic guy yeah. and also comes off as a little bit of a yokel. Yeah, he comes off a little bad in the movie, but uh, – in that thing, he had different folders, and we're like, oh, well, Randy's definitely got to have folders like that. So, But Randy's folders are all, like, you know, whatever. And then one of the folders we had was Jewish material. We just put that in as a joke. <laughs> it's like it's, there's all this sex stuff in the middle of that. It's just like Jewish material. And then it turns out that's one of the real folders that Orny had in the movie. We didn't even realize <laughs> that. And it was kind of an accidental nod um, to that folder. But, uh, yeah, we definitely watched Comedian, and, um, we, you know, we watched some Tourgasm stuff. We watched um, a couple of those, you know comedian road movies and stuff and Randy reminds me a lot of one other thing which is I, I don't know if you've ever seen this clip but it's it's Bernie Mac on his first ever appearance on the on Def Comedy Jam yeah I've seen that and he has a DJ well there was a DJ for the Def Jam thing and after each joke he just go hit it yeah and and he com- he just comes out with the microphone in his hands and I you know I, I wouldn't be able to do Bernie Mac justice but he he steps out onto the stage he's wearing this crazy like 1992 outfit and he just goes he just stands there for a minute he's sort of receiving the crazy energy of the Def Jam room and he goes I ain't scared of y'all motherfuckers yeah, yeah. There's there's something about that that kind of outrageous boldness that must be really fun to do. Well, yeah, you know, I I definitely you know watched a lot of those Def Jam dudes when I was trying to figure out you know Randy a little bit, and um, yeah, I was like, man, as soon as as soon as Randy comes out, you should know right away what this guy's thing is, and so that's why like as soon as Randy comes out, it's like, you know, he dances on stage and then he goes. If all, y'all ready to laugh your blank off, let me hear you say yeah. And, like, as soon as you do that, like, there's one, there was really, I think this has been, ex- you know, exaggerated a little bit, like, in interview, like, articles about me and stuff, um, about, like, how many times I did Randy, like, without the audience knowing. Like, I would do Randy sets within my own set, but people knew I was me doing it. But there was one time, I remember particularly, I went to the Laugh Factory in L.A. as Randy, and they introduced me as Randy, and people didn't know I was a guy named Aziz doing Randy. And as soon as I did that, people were just on board, man. They were just, like, into it. Like, as soon as... Because it's like, you know, if I, if I come out as myself, it's like, so, um, yeah, I've been doing this. It's very soft-spoken. And then once you hear a couple of jokes, then the energy kind of builds. But if you come out and you're that high energy right away, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm into this. Yeah, who is this? You know, it's so silly, but... That high energy stuff really does work, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's why I kind of did that whenever I came out as Randy. And it's really just setting the tone right away. It's like, all right, this is what this guy's going to be like, you know. It's the sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest Aziz Ansari plays Tom on the NBC sitcom Parks and Recreation. 
Here he is on that show with Amy Poehler's character. They've both been selected as judges for a beauty competition. When's the uh, swimsuit competition? Oh, no, they removed that from the program. No! Why? Well, a number of people sent letters to the organizers complaining that the swimsuit competition was objectifying women. Were you one of those people? I was some of them. Okay, so it's still 3-2 for Trish. I know why we can't make a decision. Because there's been an injustice here tonight. How are we supposed to decide who the winner is when there's been no swimsuit competition? Oh, God. Those bodies should not go unjudged. Can you look your children in the eyes and tell them you were part of the pageant that stopped swimsuit competitions? We have denied these women their inalienable right to show us what they working with. To the bikini contest! This country... God, it's just so apathetic sometimes. Let's talk for a second about your uh, character on uh, the show Parks and Recreation. Sure. You were cast in this show before it was a show. I mean, this show was the rare situation where um, NBC decided to make this show based on the reputation of its creators, who'd also worked on The Office. Mm -hmm. And you also signed to this show... Uh, based on the reputation of its creators. And when you signed, I remember it was Aziz Ansari's signs to be on show by office creators. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it was people even thought it would be like just a spinoff of The Office instead of a separate thing. And yeah, they didn't know, they weren't sure what the show was going to be, et cetera. And, you know, all that stuff came together. And uh, yeah, it's been really fun. Now, tell, tell me a little bit about, um, about your character and, and also about how you think um, who you are as a guy and as a performer uh, became who you are in the, in the show. Yeah, it, what's cool about that is it's a character that I do like every week. So I kind of really get to flesh him out over time and like come up with little different quirks and things like in backstory and you know, uh, I think that's what's really fun about doing a character that for a long time is, like, you can really, like, flesh this guy out a lot, you know, and, like, figure out the kind of things he's into and whatever. And so I just kind of tried to pick things that I thought, like, this guy would be into, like, you know, just... I mean, I think uh, all of us in the show, like, it's in a weird way, like, are kind of playing heightened versions of ourselves, like, and and kind of, like, you know, Nick Offerman, who plays Ron, like, you know, he really is into woodworking and all that stuff, and, like, he really does eat, like, a lot of bacon and stuff, like, when we're doing those scenes, like, he really does eat all that bacon and doesn't spit it out or anything. He he really has that, he really has that quality of that. I rode on an airplane with him a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah? And I was stunned at how much of that quality that he brings to the character is just... His personal quality. Yeah, he really talks like that and everything. And so, you know, and and so, you know, we're all kind of taking aspects of our personality and heightening them. And that's what, you know, like Greg and Mike were like the same thing in The Office. Like, you know, Ed Helms in The Office, like when he's playing the banjo and stuff, Ed Helms in real life plays the banjo. And so it's just kind of taking things from your real life and kind of heightening it and incorporating it into the character. And like... You know, things that aren't even don't even make it in the show sometimes are, are just still in my head. And, like, like the thing about how he dresses and stuff, like, that was something that kind of evolved over time. And then, like, so recently we shot an episode where you see Tom's house and, like, his bedroom. He has this one room that looks like a Brooks Brothers. It's like <laughs> you see, like, this row of suits and, like, this row of ties. And, it, like, our set dressing people did an incredible job. And it's like, you know, you just figure those things out like that, you know. And, um you know, there was an episode, the Tom's divorce episode. There's a thing I, I was improvising with Amy that didn't make it in, but 
it was about how Tom used to have an R&B group in college. <laughs> and like, I was like, man, we should totally do an episode about that. They just like put the, the group back together. Like I call the group like too much is not enough. N-U-F-F. <laughs> so like, it's just fun to like come up with these different little details about the character that you figure out as you go along, you know? Let's hear a scene uh, with Tom from Parks and Recreation. Here he is with a colleague in a bar discussing uh, some of the finer points of meeting women. I've been dying to go out with Mark. Always thought I'd make a great team. You know, he's handsome. I'm a cutie pie. He's laid back. I'm more in your face, but in a fun way. Ladies don't stand a chance. Uh, what's in the hat? It's called peacocking. Basically, I'm wearing something that kind of makes me stand out like a peacock. So girls will be like, hey, what's with that hat? I'm going to go peacock it out of here. I'll be back. Okay. Stacy, um, Becky tells me that you two are both real estate agents. That must be fun. Uh-huh. I'll be right back. Dude, what is your problem? What? Becky and Stacy are both really into you, and you're blowing it with them, and that's making them lose interest in me. Becky and Stacy are boring. I need you back there, man. I've seen you hook up with more trashy chicks in the last year than I can count, all right? If there was a Tellinson Award for hooking up with trashy chicks all the time, you'd have several of those awards. You're the king. You're my hero. Tell him to get out of here. I'll see you Monday, okay? That was Aziz Ansari as Tom Haverford on uh, the NBC series oh, Parks and Recreation. That, that clip I remember, um, I met with Greg and Mike early on in the writer's um, before they'd started, yeah, before they'd really gotten into the scripts, and there's like, do you have any ideas for the character, things you'd want to bring in? Like, what do you think he would be into, et cetera? And, and I thought it might be cool if he was really into that pickup artist culture, because I, I remember that show, The Pickup Artist, and I read that book, The Game, and stuff, and that, I thought it was really fascinating. I was like, oh, what if he's really into that? So when we were filming that scene, uh, Greg was like, what if we, is there some, like, we were talking about the idea of the peacocking. And so Greg got this bag of hats from the wardrobe people, and we found that hat, and I just threw it on. <laughs> and we just did, like, one take of it, and that was in the show. It was pretty fun. Your character is uh, probably the one that um, uh, is the uh, loudest and brightest character on the show, the, the one that um, uh, pushes the sort of quiet tone of the show the furthest. Um, do you ever find yourself in moments where... Um, you want to do something that would be awesome on Human Giant, but not in this kind of uh, very sedate and controlled, tight show? You know, um, I have kind of uh, not really jumped to that too much. You know, because th- the stuff on Human Giant is so crazy. It's like people killing each other and stuff. So you <laughs> Almost can't really... every sketch, we should explain, in Human Giant ends with the protagonist and the antagonist murdering each other. Dude, in sh- you would in not a... believe. We would sit there, we would be trying to stack episodes... Stacking episodes is like deciding which sketches go on which episode. We would shoot all the sketches and then put them in, slot them in episodes. And we would sit there and like look and be like, "All right, well, <laughs> five of these sketches end in death. We can't have five five out of seven sketches end in death in this act." It's sort of your and now for, for real, something completely not exaggerating. different. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we would just do it because it didn't. I think we ended up just doing that sometimes, and it didn't matter. People didn't care. It's like that's the tone of the show, man. Either you're in for it or you're not. You know, it's a. <laughs> Violent, crazy sketch show. Do you think Parks and Rec cool might be I, better with a river of blood? Yeah, you know, Parks and Rec, there's there's no room for that to, kind of shenanigans to go on, so it's a different world. But uh, I like it. I, I like doing something that's a little bit more grounded where it's not like, all right, well, what? That person's <laughs> that person just traveled back in time? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, like it's it's grounded, and so you kind of know what you're working with, and you know, you really sink into the characters, and you know all the other characters you're interacting with really well. So it's 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 kind of a cool thing. 
Aziz, thank you for taking all this time to be on The Sound of Young America. It was so great Happy to have you. Happy to do it. Anytime. Aziz Ansari is a stand-up comedian and actor. You can catch him on NBC's Parks and Recreation on Thursday evenings on the internet at azizisbored.com. And he's got a brand-new Comedy Central special, which premieres Sunday, January 17th at 10 p.m. Uh, and shortly thereafter is released on uh, digital versal disc and compact disc audio format. Thanks again, Aziz. No problem. Thank you. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones, edited by Nick White. Our theme music provided to us by Dan Wally. Our intern is Mariel Reyes. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. And if you have thoughts about the show, you can email me at jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. If you want to join us for a weekend of awesome in Southern California, find out more about our annual Max FunCon online at MaxFunCon.com. This year, we've got John Hodgman, Jonathan Colton, Jad Abumrad from Radio Lab, and many, many more. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com.